0: Hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 65, verses 17 through 25. For this is what the Lord says, for I will create new heavens and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I will create Jerusalem to be a joy. And its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. In her a nursing infant will no longer live only a few days or an old man not live out his days. Indeed, the one who dies at a hundred years old will be mourned as a young man, and the one who misses a hundred years will be considered cursed. People will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat. For my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor without success or bear children destined for disaster, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. Even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like cattle but the serpent's food will be dust. They will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you.
1: I like holding babies. There's a baby, I wanna hold it, so there it is. We're getting one soon. Y'all will see me holding another baby. Yeah. <laughs> all right, if you, I can, I'm echoing a little bit. If you can turn me down. At least I'm echoing them all here. There we go. All right, cool. So um, before we get into the text, I just want to say uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be uh, your pastor. Uh, one of the, the privileges of getting to be a pastor is, is, is I see people looking to Jesus for joy and strength in the midst of pain and suffering. That is a gift, and it is, it is a beautiful thing to behold. You know, um, all of us in this world face hardship. No matter, Christian, non-Christian, whatever. But, but we can face hardship with the closeness of Jesus and his fellowship and his encouragement. And, and that, 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 that paradox that we can have joy in the midst of trial. It's a crazy thing to, to experience and a crazy thing to observe, but it is, a, it is a special encouragement to me when I get to see that in the lives of, in your lives, and so many people, that Jesus sustains and gives joy, and we have hope in the midst of darkness. And I think that's, that's really what, what this season, the Advent season, Christmas season is about, that we have the season of hope. I don't know, like in in November, when everybody starts getting all weird about when can you play Christmas music, you know, people gonna hear Mariah Carey. Listen, I like Mariah. I like to hear that song. When a Christmas song comes on, I get happy. I get happy. Oh, it's about that time because we're looking for that season of hope. But yet in, in the midst of the season of hope, we still have this paradox of despair. It's, it's such an interesting that the older I get, the more I realize that that the holidays, or particularly Christmas time, is a very complex thing. You know, when I was young, I'm like I'm about to get some presents. Everything's cool, you know. But as I get older, like hol- holidays uh, bring up uh, hard memories, memories of loss and suffering, and so it is just this great paradox. But the reason that we can have hope in this season and in any season for that matter is because we remember why Jesus came. See, the end goal of the first coming of Jesus Christ is a restored and a renewed creation. And when we have a hope to look to this restored and this new creation where there is no pain and suffering, where there is joy, not in the midst of of darkness, but just joy. That can give us some hope, even when we're walking down a path that feels dark. So let's pray as we we dig into this text. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. All scripture is yours. All scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, everything points to you. So help us to see what you are saying to us in this text so that we can have hope no matter what is going on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So before we get dig into the text, we got to remember one thing. Context is? King. Context is king. All right. So I want to give you some context as we look into uh, this, this scripture. So when we think about the context of Old Testament prophecy, that's what we're in. We're in The, the a book of Isaiah is a book of Old Testament prophecy. We need to understand this, that Old Testament prophecy was fulfilled and will be fulfilled in Christ and in his work. This is what Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. He says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets, some of the Old Testament prophets, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ." And the glories that would follow. What he's saying is this. Like the prophets, they were were prophesying about something and they were searching because they're like, this points to something and it points to something uh, 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 magnificent and full of hope, but I can't quite see it clearly. See, the prophets were searching and investigating because they were seeing something that was true, but it was not completely clear to them. It's like they were looking at something through, through a, a dim glass. They could see something was there and that it was good, but they couldn't make out all the contours. Or, or, or it's, it's, it's like when, uh, when, when, you know, little kids, that have those connected dot pictures, you know, like you gotta, the, the dots are all numbered and you got to draw the line. Like when you're looking at the connected dot picture, you can kind of see what it is. Like that might be an elephant or something. Like you can kind of see what it is, but you, you can't see every everything in full so 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 it, when when the old testament prophets are looking at god's revelation they are seeing christ but they're seeing it not quite as full. So they're investigating and they're curious what is god going to do <coughs> christ revealed the picture <coughs> of the old testament prophets and we can go out and fill out that picture that the prophets painted what i'm saying is this Imagine that the prophecy of Isaiah is like those connected dot pictures. But we know what the picture looks like because we've seen Jesus. So we can go back to Isaiah and go, oh, that's what that's showing us. That's how that connects together. And so we're going to look at this prophecy knowing that we understand the end result and we can fill it out so that we can see even more clearly what god is communicating to us through this text what we see in verse uh, uh, 17 is that the end goal of christmas is new creation in verse 17 he says for i will create new heavens and a new earth the past events will not be remembered or come to mind see christ and the apostles proclaim that the second coming he would establish a new creation. Now, what does this mean? Now, you know, we have this thing called a catechism. It's a question and answer thing. So I just thought, let me not be, you know, inventive. Let me just go see what it says. It's a, and, and the last question in the new, Ca- new City Catechism, it says, what does everlasting life hold for us? That's what it says. It says, it reminds us that this present fallen world is not all there is. Soon we will live with And enjoy God forever in the new city, in the new heaven, in the new earth, where we will be fully and forever freed from all sin and will inhabit renewed resurrection bodies and a renewed, restored creation. That's some good stuff, y'all. That's some good stuff. I long for that day. But this new creation, it wasn't free. That new creation was purchased through the blood, sweat, and tears of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his suffering, here's what I want you to say. his suffering did not begin at his trial or his beating or the nails on the cross. His suffering began at his birth. Listen. The fact that 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 the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, who lived from eternity past with joy, with with grace being worshipped by angels, having no need whatsoever that He took on flesh and limited Himself. Jesus lived in the brokenness and sin of this world and did not contribute to it. Jesus came and experienced the pain of our world as a means to make a new one. This, this, this longing, this assurance of this new creation where there is, is perfection and joy and peace is one because the Son of God came and entered into our broken world. And the rest of this text in Isaiah, it kind of fills out some of those details. So let, let, let's look. 18 and 19, we learn that Christ will make you and me completely new. In verse 18, it says, Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. Now, here's a question I have for you. Do you sometimes feel unlovable? Sometimes I, I feel funky. You know what I'm saying? Listen. The people of God in the Old Testament, sometimes referred to as Jerusalem, were unlovable at times. Yeah? And are there, are, are there not times when we think, say, or do unlovable things? When you feel the guilt and shame of your own sin, our inclination to sin remains even after Christ's transformation in our life. That inclination is still there. Yet God says in this prophecy that he will make his people lovable and delightful. God will change his people and make them glorious. Christ will make his people new. Remember what it says in that question. It says, we will be fully and forever freed from all sin and will inhabit renewed resurrection bodies. Here's the craziest thing about the love of Christ, that his love is so strong that it transforms us and will glorify us. You know, I, I once saw a little Instagram reel and it was, a, it was an artist and he was, he was kind of a street artist and draw, draw portraits of people or, I'm sorry, it was, it was a photograph. He would take photographs of people and he would say, hey, can I take your photograph? And they would be kind of like, eh, you know, <laughs> and so he would take their photograph and then he would say something like, you're beautiful you're awesome right and right after he would say that he would take the photograph and you could and he would have those those side by side one where they're like what are you doing and the other one where they're like lit up like oh thank you you know you know like, like like that his words uh affected them to the point where it changed their whole demeanor beloved Jesus Christ's words are so powerful that he calls you a joy and a delight and that is exactly what you will become Those parts of you that frustrate you. That you're like, I just wish I could get rid of this thing or that inclination or that impulse. Beloved, in the new creation, he calls you holy and you will be holy. He calls you pure and you will be pure. All those things will be transformed. That's how powerful his love and his word are. Beloved, they they are true in in a positional sense. We're, we're holy in Christ because God looks at us. But on that day, we'll be holy in reality. He will completely change us. And in the new creation, Christ will remove death, pain, and loss. The Last part of verse 19, it says, The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. In her, a nursing infant will no longer live only a few days. Or an old man not live out his days. Indeed, the one who dies at a hundred years old will be mourned as a young man. The one who misses a hundred years will be considered cursed. Listen, our world now is a world of weeping. We hear it in the news. We hear about it in our communities. We experience it in our own lives. Our world now is a world of early loss we know of or have experienced firsthand the miscarriage or the death or the death of a child think about the the hopes that are dashed in that event there's so much future hope and excitement and that hope is dashed our world is now a world of expected death listen when we're not entertaining or distracting ourselves, sometimes we feel the pain of looming death and loss. In new creation, weeping will be gone. There will be no early loss and no looming death. There will be joy. We will not have to have hope because we will live in that expectation. There will be no loss to dread. So, so many times the anxiety and, and the, the depression and the frustration of our life either comes from what we've lost or what we are afraid to lose. But in that day, all of that will be done away with. Christ will redeem the frustration of carrying out our roles and jobs. This, this is very interesting. I want you all to hear this. This is verse 21 through 23. Since people will build houses and live in them, they will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat, for my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor without success or bear children destined for disaster, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. Listen, in this life, we experience the frustration of work without always without always getting to enjoy the fruit of the completed goal there are roles and responsibilities that we have that we don't complete that are impossible to complete i feel that in my own okay my job is to pastor people when am i done I guess when I die. I mean, like, like, like uh, maybe we all die, I don't know. I mean, like, the point of the matter is, is is, we all, like, there's some things that we do, and we're like, I don't see an end to this. I don't, it is not, and I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I tell people stuff, and it goes awesome. Sometimes I tell people what I think is a advice, and it goes horrible. We don't always get to experience the fruit of our labor, and there's frustration in that responsibilities and tasks are fraught with frustration and we are not assured of their success and this is because of sin and the curse of its punishment we read all the way back in genesis three seventeen, it says he said to the man the one who the adam who just sinned because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree out about which i commanded you do not eat from it the ground is cursed because of you you will eat with it by the means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you are taken from it. For you are dust. You will return to dust. Beloved, our sin has created a situation in which we work real hard, experience that frustration, and maybe we can experience some sort of reward. But in that day, We will enjoy what we do and enjoy the fruit of our labors with our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a part of the new creation that I actually, I don't, I have a hard time picturing what that looks like. I don't exactly know what that's going to look like, but I tell you what, I know what that frustration feels like. And I can be hopeful and expectant and thankful that there will come a day where there will not be that frustration, but that, that we will get to live in God's creation and then enjoy what it is that we work for. I don't know what that looks like, but what is promised is fulfillment and enjoyment. In the new creation, we will get to be near God. And verse 24, it says, Even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. We will get to live with and enjoy God forever. We will get to experience such close communion with God. I want you to understand, you might have heard that before, but that is a promise that is unique to our faith. That's unique to what we believe. Afterlife and heaven and other faiths, they might be good, but they don't include communion with the divine because the divine does not care about them in that way. But our God says, I will save you, I will give you good things, and I want to be with you. We have only seen glimpses of his glory and beauty i I'd have been in some cool prayer meetings and i'd have been in some cool worship nights and 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 it's been cool i've, I've enjoyed it I've, I've man god you feel so near that's only a glimpse we uh, will experience the full glorious loving presence of our creator that's what's in store for us he will be with us one of the the last promises at the end of revelation in revelation 21 3 this is this is the expectation it says Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. That is the promise that we're looking forward to. Not only will we be with the Lord, Satan will be fully crushed underneath the heel of the Lord Jesus. Listen to what it says in verse 25. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion will eat straw like cattle, but the serpent's food will be dust. They will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain. Beloved, in that day, the strife of this world will be gone. That, that, that hostility that we see so often. Those who do not naturally dwell in peace will do so. Conflicts that we currently don't even see an end to. They will cease. And the one who brought that division and destruction into this world was Satan. The evil serpent. He is the one who introduced doubt and temptation to the human race. Yet it was prophesied that a child of a woman would crush his head. And Genesis 3.15 He, this child, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. The one born of a virgin crushed the head of the serpent on the cross. This happened on the cross as Satan sought to give our Lord the death blow. Yet through that death, the power of Satan was broken. One of the main things that Satan does is he accuses us. And reminds us of our sin. But when Jesus Christ died on on the cross for our sin, his accusations, Satan's accusations have no power over us anymore. We see them for what they really are. See, Satan was dealt the death blow on the cross. And having been dealt that death blow, the serpent is just creating havoc on its way to sure judgment. The Lord Jesus will complete what he has started. So so let's let's connect all those dots now. The creator became creation in order to want a new creation for us. The baby who was born to die will be resurrected, and we will be made new by that same resurrection power. Christ went through loss, pain, and early death so that he would take all those things away from us. Christ completed his work, and we get to enjoy the fruit of his labor forever. Christ experienced the silence of God on the cross so that we would experience his nearness forever. Christ Jesus was born to secure and restore a new creation for us. So as we remember him in this season, we can have hope. We can have peace. We can have joy because we know what's coming. My encouragement to you is that you would have renewed hope in him, that you would have renewed hope in his promises. Beloved, he prophesied the the, the first coming so we can be assured that he's coming back. and That can give us some joy and some peace right now in the midst of this broken world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and that you have revealed Christ Jesus to us, that you loved us enough to enter um, into our brokenness, to, to feel our pain, to experience the death that belongs to us. And Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy because of what you have done and what you promise. And Lord, you do not lie. Lord, the the glories of what is to come, oh Lord God, they will will make the sufferings of this life look so small. So let us be a people that are um, heavenly minded, that that realize uh, what you are doing and what you are bringing about. And Lord, help us be people that speak this hope and joy to one another and to those who do not, who do not yet know you. So Lord, fill us with your spirit
0: with renewed faith and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.